and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard, I'll be your host, whether it be Tuesday or Friday or Sunday or if you're going to a secret society and maybe having a drink and having a little bit of fun and getting up to all different things with various kind of stuff, maybe chocolate, possibly a marshmallow or two. Um, Because (laughs) joining me today... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from old hellfire games here to talk about the old hellfire club and you know he's been he's been biding his time uh, the invitation has been out he's gladly accepted he's he's riding up the, the he's right he's riding up the stone path <laughs> on his horse with a flagon on his flagon on his back and some mischief in his eyes it is the one the only the the <laughs> The dressed in black but ready to please. It's Mr. <laughs> it's Mr. Jamie Frew. Hello, Richard. How are you? And what can I pour for you? I am I am absolutely fantastic. And uh, um, can I just have a juice because I'm driving? Thanks. You can indeed have a juice, but I'm going to have to give you something for when you stop driving. But we'll deal with that later. <laughs> absolutely. Um, how are you, sir? I am, I was, I was about to say, I'm extremely well. I'm not extremely well at all. I am very, very ill. As everyone who's been following uh, my, the old Hellfire Twitter account will, will know by now, um, um, but I'm still here, which is good. I'm I'm really glad uh, um, I put you on mute then, because then it means I can just step into this without any sympathy at all, and just tell you to <laughs> to you know to get get a grip of yourself and you know sort yourself out. Um, because we've got we've got things to discuss, Mister Fru. We've got things to talk about. But first of all, we've got to say hello, to everybody out there. Um, so hello, everybody out there. Um, the reason that we do this is because I, I don't have an analogy. I like doing this. If you like doing something, and as long as it's not illegal and hurting anybody else, then just you know, just continue kind of doing it. That's the way I'm doing. We're kind of like the kind of the Star Trek ongoing voyages of meeting lots of new exciting people in the board game scene and keeping on talking to them. I don't know, I'm on a journey like Kane from Kung Fu, travelling to village to village and trying to sort out their their problems with my voice and my hands. (laughs) Or I'm the littlest hobo, except I'm not a dog. It doesn't matter. Anyway, we're trying to bring you the best that the community in that world of board and cardboard has to offer. And that's why we've brought Jamie here after such a long time. Such a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time. Uh, and the other, it's been a while. It's been a it is, it's been, I don't know, I feel like I've been walking for days. But anyway, um, <laughs> we have um, we have things to talk about, Mr. Frew. Um, we're going to have, we need to have a little bit of a discussion about your um, your um, murky past so do you want do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into the hobby please oh richard you had to start off with possibly the saddest story in board gaming um imagine me if you will um as a sort of tiny tim figure i i i grew up loving board games i i would ask for one every single birthday every single christmas um and i i built up a big collection Problem was that my entire family hated board games, so I would get to play them once. Um, and so I, I would play them all by myself. Oh, no. Um, it was, it was sad. It was terribly, terribly sad, but it, it instilled this, this love and grim determinism in me. Um, 
and then then as I grew, I, I would I would I would play with friends, and even sadder still, my um, one of my my greatest joys was was um, was going over to to a friend's house, and we would play Monopoly through the night. Can you imagine being excited by that? <laughs> I feel it's, like do you remember Steve Wright in the afternoon. Where they used to have I the do. R song thing, and they used to used to have the background music. So if you keep telling your story, I'll enter, I'll I'll reenact that music <laughs> in the background. So keep keep talking. It was just the saddest of things, um, and yeah, but I kept the love. I kept the love for board games, and and then when I finally left home, I came across a copy. Of something called Risk Godstorm, my first proper board game, and I had people to play it with, and wow. I've never looked back. I need to. We need to switch up the music to something nicer, I guess. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We need to have like I don't know. Um, it's the the one about there's something inside so strong or something. Keep telling. I'll do the music in the background. Oh, I could so, do that. Either that or Black Beauty. <laughs> <laughs> Something inside so strong. <laughs> the higher you build your barriers, away, 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 the stronger I think. <laughs> this is how it's going to be. Welcome to, welcome to 1980s, 1990s music night with inspirational music brought to you by me. <laughs> <laughs> by, by my good colleague, he's Mister. He's Jamie. He's on fire through, and I'll be your. I'll be the disc wizard Simpson, bringing you the latest tracks and inspirational music from across from across the years. Um. Anyway, so you got risk. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did, and uh, yeah. From from then on, it it just sort of exploded within about. Um, I think it was about six months. I think I had. Well, to begin with, five different versions of Risk, which I wow. I still love and still maintain, is a fantastic game. If you really just want to spend hours watching things move back and forth ever so slightly, uh, <laughs> but it just grew from there, and I now have probably about three hundred um, of the things, um, and uh, a wife who is desperate for me to to offload them. But I'm sorry, this is I fought hard for this, so. Uh, Board games. The board games are staying. Are they? Are they currently sitting next to you? Are you just turning around and saying, "I fought. I fought hard for these. I'm kind of keeping them." Um, you know, it's. <laughs> um, I mean, do you have three hundred copies of Risk, or do you have other? But I have just. Oh no, no, like, no, no, no! You're kind of like Mel Mel Gibson in that film where he has to keep buying cat copies of Catcher in the Rye or something like that. <laughs> You've just got three hundred copies of like Risk. I mean, I'd be a bit annoyed actually. Be honest, if we're living together and um, and you kept on bringing copies of Risk home, another one, <laughs> another one. But the government's got disbuying me, sir. It's the only way that they can keep a track, you know. I guess I don't know. Is, anyway, stuff. Thanks. What kind of games do you go to? I mean, what kind of game? What's your kind of your game of choice? I mean, did you go oh, to Risk man. Legacy? Did you try that? I absolutely adore Risk Legacy. As far as I'm concerned, uh, you can take Pandemic, both seasons one and two. Risk Legacy is the quintessential Legacy game. I, really? I just adore it. It's it's the- just. I, I don't know how everybody else felt, but I found that when I was playing Pandemic, it was just I, the story was too much on rails 
And I, I didn't get that feeling that I was having as, as a unique experience from everyone else. But because there was no story to Risk Legacy, everything just kept happening and everything was unique. And it was that first taste of what Rob Davio had to give for the world. And I, it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. Do you feel it gets overlooked because it's Risk? Because it's got the Risk name attached to it. If it had maybe been given a slightly different name... Then, yeah, I think I hadn't considered that, but I think you're absolutely right. Because I've never played it. I have played, I remember playing Risk probably when I was at that difficult age, I think maybe <laughs> 23. Um, <clears throat> and pl- no, I, I mean, I do remember playing Risk when I was, I and mean, we discovered it, um, I think it was one summer. I think it was one of these things where kind of like board games at that time they weren't risk wasn't that expensive to get a hold of because they didn't they didn't do multiple reprints and variations at that time. You seem to be able to kind of pick up the same copy. So like I think my dad got it for us and went, look, here's here's risk. I don't know what it's about, and we kind of ended up playing. And I think we really liked it because it had little miniatures at the time and we're kind of fighting back and forward and trying to take Australia and oh what'd you take Australia for I hate you kind of thing um, <laughs> and that's how it kind of usually played out and then we usually used to just have a proper argument and start throwing things back and forth but I do remember it being a lot of fun I think I look on Risk now maybe as an easier game and maybe that's why when I look at think about Risk Legacy when I think of Legacy games you can't help but think about Pandemic I think the the risk legacy thing, I potentially would pick it up. I think based on maybe what you've implied, if it is absolutely that wonderful and fantastic. So I think with with so many things with with, with risk, it's what you make of it. If if you can give your own story and your own ideas to it, um, then then the it, the 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 grand saga just writes itself. We had endless conventions of bears meeting to have minutes and and, and <laughs> sessions with each other to discuss who they were attacking next. And there were giant screwdrivers because that's one of the weapons that we really didn't understand. It's it's just marvelous. If you haven't played it, you absolutely have to. But I stand, I stand by that. You played any other legacy games? Then have you been kind of like um, attracted to playing, you know, Seafall? Uh, I have. I I I I have completed Seafall. <gasps> it it took twenty four games, and we played one a month. Um, wow. It was an absolute leviathan. Um, and you know what? I actually say I think it's actually quite a good game. It's just not a very good legacy game, which is a uh, real shame. I I don't think I've. I think you're the first person that I've spoken to that's played it, and potentially you're the first ever person I've ever spoke. You know, ever spoken to that's actually gone through and completed it. I mean, quite recently I was speaking about it with Sam Turner from Staying In Podcast mm. about it's one of the it's one of the games that often falls in and out of my Amazon basket because it's kind of like that 24, 25 pound kind of level. And it's kind of like, if it's bad, it's 25 quid. If it's, if it's even approaching kind of medium to decent, it's well worth over twenty five quid, so that's exactly. but I've never, but I've never ever felt the courage or the conviction to to kind of 
to step over the line, but maybe maybe that should happen. To, why is it? I mean, obviously that's two years if you played it once a month. Does it get really kind of that good? I mean, I remember watching the shut up and sit down kind of review of it, and Quinn just saying us. You know, buy it and take it apart in one night if you're a game designer because you'll really get an awful lot out of it. But as somebody who played through it all, um, is it really, you said that you kind of, obviously, you must have enjoyed it if you decided to stick it out for two years. See, I really did. I'm not entirely sure that the rest of the group that I was playing with enjoyed it anywhere near as much as I did. But I steamrolled them, so we did it. Um, and I would say that there are there are some moments in there which are just phenomenal. There are some ideas that he's worked in, and I desperately don't want to to, to spoil them. But there are just some boxes uh, that you open and you just think, "Oh my god, how on earth did anyone ever think of something so <laughs> insane and so brilliant as this?" Um, and it's it's totally worth it for one particular... I would say it is worth the purchase price for one box alone, um, if, if I'm totally honest. Um, but I, I I would also say that the, the, the game that you get to about two-thirds of the way through is really, really good. Mm-hmm. But I'm not into... I can see people's point if they say, when they say that having to play 18 games to get to that point Mm, it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, but then I've heard the same thing about Charterstone, or I've heard that a lot about Charterstone. Um, but that's only because the vocal minority, you know, folk that are saying, well, I played it four games, basic worker placement, I'm never going to touch it. I've heard folk like, um, I think it was Steve Tudor, I think, from Polyhedron Collider, said they've almost got to the end, and yeah, it's really, really good because it does get very, very kind of complicated kind of thing. Um and I'm kind of intrigued. You've intrigued. Oh my goodness, Mister Fru, you have intri- you have intrigued me. You have intrigued you have me. To, I, mean, I mean, I I'd say always just on the value statement. Think of it like this: If I paid twenty four pounds for for C four, that's a pound a game. Four people, that's twenty five p a game. And by by hour, that's something like eight p an hour. That's the best value entertainment in the world. You couldn't get to somebody's house in the bus. For a pound nowadays, if you look at no. it that way, no, 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 no. That, that that is why people have to buy up the remaining copies of C. <laughs> I have to look for this now. I'm gonna have to like. Okay, let's just see. Anyway, right. So what? <laughs> but recently, wise because legacy. I mean, this is a, you know, legacy is interesting kind of thing. But recently, wise. Is there anything that's been kind of you've been getting to the table on a regular basis that you've kind of really been enjoying? I would say probably the thing that's been coming out most recently. Um, this is this is a, a a a something that I I I do mainly because I I want to say thank you to my wife who puts up with so much um, as I design the old Hellfire Club, um, and that's Agricola is getting that back out. Yeah. Um, she just absolutely loves uh, those euros, and 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 going back uh, to um, Caverna just doesn't do it. It's it's got to be the classic. I've never played Agricola. I'm absolutely sorry. I'm such a fraud, but I haven't. But I know. I'm sorry to have uncovered this truth about you. I, I'm. I do, do you know what I think? Do you know what happens is depending on when you get into the hobby. I think dictates 
the kind of your journey into the games. I think that you kind of, I mean, my first, I think the first game that I, I kind of really played and dived into was Pandemic. I think that was one of the first games that I bought. And that kind of set me down the, oh, I like the kind of the cooperative, but kind of punishing type games. Um, I played, you know, and then we moved into seeing what I think I kind of entered into the, relatively into the kind of the cult, the kind of the cult of the new. I'm probably one of these people that will go back and then go and visit all these old classics, but I guess... The thing with something like that is just there's such an awful lot of new new niceness that I'd like to kind of get my hands on. But I guess at the same time, yeah, I've... Do you know what? It's like one of these games that you think, um, I really need to go back and pick that up or I really need to go back and play that. It, it kind of goes on a list and then it disappears down the bottom and then it comes kind of back up again, kind of bubbling to the surface like a a well kind of boiled, you know, boiled and simmered soup. And look, oh, there's the carrot of Agricola floating <laughs> to the top. I really should, I really, I can't find, I find that with board games again. It's like Seafall. I mean, Seafall has, keeps on bubbling up again. And that's like, that's like the same time in the last kind of two or three months. It keeps kind of popping up. It's, it's almost like somebody's trying to tell me something. I should, be, I should be doing something. Um, but I mean, um, I've heard it's really, really good. I've got no excuse whatsoever for. But then it's like, if I was entering the hobby now, or if you were entering in the hobby now, could you imagine how many games you'd have to play in order to be kind of, I guess, up to speed, or even up with the kind of the the kind of the the kind of the main games that you should have played? It'd be a, a desperately a desperately horrible situation to be in if you were maybe saying, right, I want to play all of horrible? the classics. No, I know, but I'm just trying to like make it like a suffering thing when it's clearly not. I think you'd run out, you'd have to quit your job. I don't think you could kind of carry on with it. You'd have to quit your job and do something else, but you could you imagine? That would oh, be we- amazing. We could just live in the woods. <laughs> we could we could make games by, from trees. We could chop down trees and make as many games. I mean, you've got there's your paper pulp right there. You could make here as many games as you wanted to. But that's beside the point. Is there anything else at the moment apart from Agricola, which has shamed me, sir? You have shamed <laughs> me. That is kind of currently kind of catching your eye. You know, turning your head. You know, maybe making you think of spring, you know, friskiness. Spring, I would say there are two things. The first one um, is, is um, <laughs> I'm, I don't know why I'm quite ashamed to say it, because I absolutely love this game, um, but it, it feels as though, you, as though I shouldn't. It's a game called Space Team. Have you heard of it? It rings a bell. But there's so many different games out there with the first name Space. <laughs> That's entirely that. This is a is a game almost like no other. You you have you have essentially got six different bits of a, a rocket ship to fix, and you are past a load of cards, and all you have to do is find the, the icons that match um, in the rest of the deck. But every so often, you will receive a card that says you can no longer talk or you can no longer use your thumbs, or wow. everybody switch places. And it's all timed uh, with a fantastic, fantastic soundtrack app. Um, and I just love it. It's 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 absolutely brilliant. What, it's, I mean, it's, 
Is it multi? Do you have to have a certain number of players in order to get kind of maximum enjoyment out of it, though? So we do generally play with four players, but I think that that that's that's um, that's perfect. Um, but I, you could do more, and you could just slowly lose your mind in five minutes of insanity. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else you've been playing? Uh, so apart from that, I keep keep coming back to. Um, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, which is just a masterpiece. Um, I I don't I, I I try to stay off from playing solo because I love the discussions and the the bizarre conspiracy theories that a group can come up with. And so they that no 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 we we understand Holmes who killed the who killed the lions. It was clearly clearly the Queen, and she <laughs> did so because she needed more chips. <laughs> I just love that whole thing. I love the fact that the consultant detective, it is kind of the opposite thing where they're saying like, and uh, you managed to do it in 23 moves, which which means, you know, you really should just leave. Uh, whereas let's open the envelope and see how many kind of Sherlock did it. Sherlock did it in four. Oh, He I didn't did even one. leave his house. I, I play tested one of them. Um, and I got to the end, and Sherlock did it in none at all. And I just wanted what? to pour my drink over the designer. He did it all from the newspaper, <laughs> but it was so what? clever. I had, you know, I had to clap, had to applaud. There's just no need for that, is there? There's no need for that. There's certain kind of like you're just like, oh come on, give us a chance. Go and muck up, you know. Go and just have a make kind of a make a mistake. Um, on your game journey. The design side of things. What kind of piqued your interest into the design side of things? I mean, were you were you the type of person on on loving Risk and Risk Legacy so much? Were you the type of person that actually started off by kind of putting together your own little kind of war game strategy game before you went down anything else? I'm afraid to say you've you've hit it hit the nail on the head. Um, I I do have some some homebrew uh, additions to to Risk Legacy. Um, one based on Iron Sky, where, where you have Nazis from the moon, um, and one cyber Napoleon who comes up from the from buried under the earth. Um, and I I suppose it, it just comes from from having spent all those years uh, playing the game myself that I would. Would would want to design and home rule stuff and come up with new ideas to make stuff more interesting, and that's I suppose where all the designing came from. Um, and then slowly it just grew out from there. I mean, with you mucking around with stuff a lot yourself. I mean, how long was it before you were putting it in front of other people and letting them kind of test the wares? Or is that a difficult thing to do? I mean. Is there? I mean, is there a big? There's a to me. There's a big step from having an idea to start to put it on paper, and then there's a bigger step to actually finishing the rules and actually having something you can play. And then there's the biggest step, which seems to actually be it's the validation thing, isn't it? It's kind of like it is Michael J. Fox at a Back to the Future. <laughs> I mean, what? You know what happens if I do this, and they think I'm, uh, you know, I'm terrible at it, kind of thing. 
it's easy to bizarre because I normally feel like that. I, I totally get it, but the, at least at this time with, with uh, the old Hellfire Club, I just, I, I finished, I, I had the idea, I'd made the prototype within a week, and I just looked at it and I thought, this could work. Okay, playtest this weekend. And it worked. Did you, I mean, did you kind of keep it loosey-goosey at the beginning? Were you kind of, I mean, when you're first going out there and playtesting, were you kind of like, you know, people were saying, oh, maybe, you know, you should allow you to do that. And you're just like going, yeah, yeah, you just do that. On you go. You know, you just, let's see what happens. So did you, I mean, as I say, were you kind of like just kind of like quite loose with the kind of the test and did you kind of let people just, if somebody came up with an idea where you kind of like, yeah, you know, knock yourself out, have fun, see what kind of happens. Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely. It was, I just, it was, it was just a really nice feeling to see people enjoying something that I'd made. And if they could find a way to make it even better, that, that was amazing. Um, and it, it, it went through, I mean, the, the basic structure has kind of stayed there since the beginning, but mm-hmm. um, the, the the number of times that the cards have been through revisions, it's, it's just mind-blowing. Um, and, and now my hard drive looks so much worse for it. But <laughs> <laughs> Do you keep the revisions, all of the revisions from the beginning, so you can refer back to them in terms of kind of like what works and what doesn't work? Oh, absolutely. Embarrassingly so. It's, it's, sometimes I just like to go back and go, my God, this looks so much better than it used to. Cause it does look, it looks amazing. But <laughs> my word, what the hell was I thinking to start with? But I think you have to go through that, don't you? You have to think you have to go through the evolution. Um, I think you have to be willing to kind of let things go and add stuff on and step back and, you know, be willing to kind of let it change. Cause I know that, you know, you could be one mechanic away or three cards away from, from achieving kind of, kind of absolute brilliance with something. I think it's all part of the development side of things, I reckon. Absolutely. You just got to let stuff happen and see where it goes. And sometimes it's, it, it just comes and it just falls into place. So the question is, right, the in terms of the game and in terms of the theme, what came first? Because the old, the old Hellfire Club, as far as I was aware, was basically a place where the kind of the visionaries, politicians, famous people of the time um, went to just get involved in depravity, despicable acts and <laughs> In kind of, you know, all different types of kind of like various fun and games and, and getting basically as drunk as possible and then just letting the kind of the chips lie. So my question to you, sir, is was it the mechanics of the game that you kind of came up with first and then you were looking for something to fit it? Or did you read about the Old Hellfire. I think. How did I read? I re- do you know what I found about the old Hellfire Club? I think to do with Benjamin Franklin. I think. Yes. <laughs> I think he was like a patron, and he was you know he was he li- indeed, and he liked to go along. So I guess my question to you is: Was it reading the old about the old Hellfire Club that you decided I need to make a game of this, or was it a case that you had a really really good kind of set of mechanics that you decided I need to find a theme for it? 
it's it's really really hard to try and separate the two uh, because the 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 game as a sort of basic idea came together so quickly. Um, I think to be honest, the mechanics um, sort of evolved out of um, having played and loved uh, Once Upon a Time by James Wallace um, mm-hmm. to begin with. But I, I, I also I knew vaguely about the old time of Hellfire Club anyway, um, and so when I I was sat down thinking, okay, how can I improve? Uh, how can I, I make a, um, a a storytelling game even even more exciting? And I, I basically came up with the idea of a a, a pub argument simulator, mm-hmm. and that it just came. It just built on there, and I thought, okay, well, who's going to have the best possible pub arguments? <laughs> well, it's it's going to be Victorian drunks because, and it, it has to be aristocratic Victorian drunks. And okay, the Hellfire Club, and that's that's how it, it happened. So from there, from that first idea, you said like the game itself kind of formed really, really quickly. But you've, you know, then you said, well, you know, through the iterations, I've kind of improved it and um, did it. Do you think, were you at the point where you were kind of thinking early on in the development, oh, let me just put this out there and see what people kind of think? And looking on back on that now, you're like thinking, well, that was never even close to kind of being what it should be, kind of thing. Are you? I take it. Are you glad with all the kind of the work? Because you've been working on this for a while. Are you glad you kind of held back and kept kind of refining it rather than jumping out the window as soon as you had kind of like the first form of the game? Definitely, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. And it's part of it has just been that some ideas needed some fine tuning. So we've got. Um, as, as part of the game, there are sort of one-shot powers that um, players can use uh, every turn, and they, they just need tweaking enough uh, in order to make make sure that they're not game-breaking. And then adding in little extra ideas to make sure that the scoring um, stays balanced and everyone has a chance. Um, and sometimes it's just thematic. It's some of the cards that I came up with at the beginning just just they just weren't funny enough. Uh, and so you shift away from one idea and, and then suddenly something lands in your lap and you go, okay, brilliant. Uh, we absolutely need an opportunity uh, to, to rampage through the British Museum. We didn't have mm-hmm. it, but now we have. <laughs> um, in terms of the game, I mean, let's talk about the game. I just, yeah, let's talk about the game itself first. I also want to talk about the incubation period. Um in terms of marketing, but the game itself, how do you play it? If I'm sitting around and I mean, is it, is it a two player game? Do you need like a minimum number of like five players? Is it going to work with 10? Is there kind of like an infinite number of people it could work with basically? <laughs> oh, and now we've, we, I'd say that you can definitely get a, a very good game out of two. I've done plenty of playtesting conventions, just two people, and they've loved it. I would say optimum number is, is four, uh, mm-hmm. but we've gone up to eight, and it's still a Whoa. fantastic game. Okay, okay. How does one play around? 
Mr. Fru. Around. Around, around is, a, is a very simple thing. You First of all, you deal out cards uh, to uh, to all of the players, and these cards, these are the boast cards. Each of them uh, come in uh, one of ten suits, mm-hmm. uh, with each with a, a number on them, and these suits represent different aspects of Victorian life. Um, some things are relatively mundane. There are... Uh, there is there are places and there are people um and some of them are rather more exciting things that you can weave into your adventure there are crimes there are there is tea time there are motives um all the things that you can just drop into your adventure as you talk and what you will do is you'll take a card you'll lay it down and you'll start telling your story weaving the various different aspects in so for example you might tell the story of how uh, you were out committing treason uh, in Billingsgate Fish Market when all of a sudden Karl Marx appeared. Um, <laughs> and you will lay these various cards down as you do. Um, but if any time anyone else has got a card in the same suit that's of a lower value, the lower value cards being the more pathetic things mm-hmm. um, in the suit, they can challenge uh, the, the adventure that you're recounting and call you a liar and a cad and say, you weren't doing this thing, you, were in, you weren't... Uh, Karl Marx didn't suddenly appear. Uh, it was David Livingstone. Um, and when that happens, they have proven you wrong that you were trying to exaggerate your story, uh, and you lose all of the pennies for gin that you would have collected that round. And so oh, it right, continues okay. as, as you recount your, your collective adventure, all of you constantly arguing and calling each other liars. So you want to kind of like play the cards as you go and maybe keep some of the lower cards for kind of the the end of the games as things go do do people kind of accumulate kind of gin money the further in the game as they go absolutely so if you've if you play a particularly high value card you get uh, you get bonus pennies Mm -hmm. Uh, if you play the largest number of uh, cards uh, of a particular suit over the course of the game then we have these these little um the, these little markers called the benefactors, who are the crowned heads of Europe, who for no apparent reason are having a meeting in this gin shop, um, who like listening to pub stories and if they like particular aspects in their story, and so they will give you bonuses um, if oh, you play okay. cards of that suit. And so it's over the course of the game, you'll start picking up your pennies, but you are never safe. Your pennies can be stolen at any time. So you can get, um, so you get the. The bonuses as you go. So, is it a case of is it a kind of like a risk reward kind of thing that you could decide at the beginning of the round? You can say, right, okay, I was, um, you know, I was off to Billingsgate to buy myself a hat. Um, on the way, I happened to be accosted by four gentlemen who wanted me to gamble and see who could who could basically race a painted pig through the streets. Of lower, you know, of lower Marlborough Lane or whatever, and then you could decide only that round to maybe play like four, three cards instead, instead of going for everything, or you can continue playing cards with the risk that somebody would jump in with a lower card of the same suit and just say you are Abs- talking nonsense, Mister Simpson, and I am taking Absolutely. your money from you. Absolutely. So underneath this this storytelling adventure, uh, you've got a a game of of subtle hand management and risk and and risk reward um, constantly going on in the background, which mm-hmm. means ultimately that if someone doesn't like telling stories, someone's a bit shy um, mm-hmm. or just enjoy it, as, as as happens to be the case with some of the people in my my gaming group, 
they don't have to tell the story. They can just play the cards and move on to the next person who can then pick up where the story left mm-hmm. off. And it makes no difference to the game at all. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, in terms of building, I mean, in terms of building the buzz, because it sounds like you've got a solid foundation for a game and it's all about the exposure, but it also sounds like a game that people should be experiencing in order to kind of fully appreciate it. Was that at the back of your mind was in order to kind of like build the buzz and to get to get the kind of the message out? Because you've been working, it seems like you've been working on kind of building the noise and building the exposure for the old Hellfire Club for, for quite some time. Was that also part of the plan to recognise it? This maybe was a little bit more of an unusual kind of Kickstarter offering than you would normally um- see. And you would need to maybe do a bit more explaining than the norm. Definitely, definitely. I mean, the 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 thing that I I love more than anything about the old Hellfire Club is the the, the atmosphere that it generates. Um, I've I've never seen a game happen where there aren't people um, just laughing. We've had to stop some playtests just because people have been laughing too much, uh, which has been fantastic. Um, but you, it's really hard to convey that um, in. In um, in in over Twitter and Facebook and and, and Instagram. Um, so what we've been doing um, is running what we call the Choose Your Own Adventure, uh, or at least Choose Our Own Adventure um, on Twitter. So every single day we've been offering, we've been working our way through us through a series of stories um, yeah. based on the cards in the old Hellfire Club, and there is a poll. Um, in which people can choose what happens next in the story based on one of the cards. Um, and so we're now on to our fourth, fourth story. Um, and I'm, I'm just absolutely loving it. And I can't believe some of the choices that people have forced me to make whilst trying to write them. <laughs> has that, um, has that given you the kind of the confidence for when you're, I mean, you're bringing the campaign to the table in April. And I yep. mean, to me, I mean, you've been obviously you've been speaking to me for some time, so I was kind of like, you know, we when should we talk? It's like, oh, we could talk before Christmas, or we could talk to after Christmas, and obviously circumstances kind of came into play and things like that. But you've still got an, a fair number of time before the actual Kickstarter itself kind of launches. And I guess is this to kind of continue to build up the noise, to continue to build up the excitement to get the kind of the name out there as 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 far as far as as far as possible. Absolutely. This is trying to get as many people to have to have heard of, of the old Hellfire Club um before the time comes as as possible. And also to give people a chance to try the game for themselves um uh, before they buy it. Because we've we've got a a print and play version on on Board Game Geek. I don't see any reason why you should have to to put to risk your money uh, buying a game that you can't try, so give it a shot. Okay, okay. Have you thought about kind of like kind of like funding levels and kind of prices of entry and stuff like that? Because I'm I'm guessing a lot of the it's going to be card based. Precisely. Was that going to be a consideration for kind of like components? You know, you're going to be putting some counters in there as well. Like, I mean, is it going to be a deck of cards as opposed to kind of like a small boxed game? I mean, what were your, what's your kind of your current thoughts with that? 
Totally. Well, we're trying to do a couple of things which are a little bit unusual here. Uh, so yes, we'd start off, uh, the basic version will be a, a, a small box game um, with about roughly uh, 140 odd cards and some tokens we just released the um, the artwork for the for the, the coins and it looks absolutely amazing um, but we're also doing something that we're calling the the bargain version which is just a copy of the cards in shrink wrap um, you don't need anything else because you, you can use anything that you've got lying around your house um, mm-hmm. for, for coins you could just use pennies it's actually far cheaper to use real money uh, <laughs> than it is to make counters um, so you please just do that you don't need a box it's the most expensive thing in a board game um, and you don't need a paper rule sheet even you can there, there will be a pdf on the internet and so we're looking to offer the whole game or at least all of the essential bits in that card deck um, for about six pounds which is the cheapest um, I think you'll be able to get a, a an hour-long eight-player game. That's phenomenal. Especially, I mean, I mean, a lot of people do have components, and I guess it's the it's the preciousness of the components as well. I mean, if I wanted to pull together kind of like, you know, 100 meeples, I could, I could do it. You know, I could probably go and do it just now within about 10 minutes. I could probably yank it out of about five different games and easily have a choice of like... You know, kind of like a hundred, a hundred meeples. I think some people are sometimes, and I, I myself, you can be precious about the components that you have, and not necessarily want to mix and match them for fear of kind of <laughs> losing them. But this sounds like an absolutely kind of capital idea. It's always just seemed to me that board, board games are expensive. We all we all know that they're expensive, um, but some some of us are lucky enough to be able to make you know a couple of savings here and there and, and buy a game every once in a while. But that's not the same. The same isn't true for everyone. And I just wanted to give everyone as, as many people as I could a chance um, to enjoy a game that I'm really proud of. Okay, okay, okay. But I guess. Your, it sounds like your interest, though, is to kind of like get as many people playing it and experiencing the game, as opposed to kind of I don't know turning this into kind of like a venture. Do you know what I mean? I it's like an ex- have an experience. It's like here have an experience, as opposed to here have something you're physically owning. It's not like you. I know that you want people obviously to buy and to pledge for the the bigger kind of box, potentially. But it also sounds to me there's a part of you, Mr. Fru, which is just to say, look, have a deck of cards, knock yourself out and have some fun and some adventures, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's, you know, if that helps bring an extra couple of people into the hobby, just because they were able to buy something cheaply for the first time, <laughs> then they're amazing. Because maybe you'll buy the, the big box later. Who knows? Yeah. And for the bigger box, I mean, have you got a price point for that? Where you're going to be coming in for that? Okay, so the the the, the standard retail box um, should be coming on at about fifteen pounds, so about twenty dollars. Oh. Yeah, um, and then there will be a Kickstarter exclusive version, which will have cards that won't be available anywhere else, uh, which I haven't quite priced up yet either. And then there's the Imperial Edition. Which is going to be something very, very special. <laughs> it's I've no doubt it's gonna be marvellous. 
It's going to be on like a Risk Legacy board or something like this. <laughs> oh. um, <laughs> it's going to be working I, around the working around the good old the good old Empire or something like that. It's it's going to be quite something. So the the Imperial <laughs> version comes in an engraved wooden box with um, which I'm hoping I'm trying to work out how to get it silk lined. Uh, but the really big addition is that the counters will be genuine hundred year old Victorian pennies. Oh my word! <laughs> I have no, I have no words, Mister Fru. I have no words indeed. Um, when's the when's the kickoff date? When are you thinking of launching it? So we'll be launching on the 9th of April. That is a seventy days today. There you go. At this time, at this time, in the in the year in the year twenty nineteen, <laughs> that will be said in seventy days' time. Um. Sounds fantastic. Um, are you excited? I, I excited. cannot wait. Cannot wait. Are you Are you looking forward to doing daft and zany things during the campaign? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, as I say, if anyone, if there is anything that anyone thinks will convince them to buy a copy of the game, get in touch because I am open, totally <laughs> open to ideas. I I just I can I can completely imagine that being the kind of the case. I think there's I like I like I always like Kickstarters that involve the community that are a bit fun that don't take themselves too seriously. Um you know, that kind of thing. So this sounds like it's gonna be kind of serious but a laugh and a bit of a joke. And there's oh, gonna be a little bit of Mickey taking it all sounds absolutely absolutely fantastic. Um if people want to keep an eye on you on the internet webs, where do we keep an eye on you on the internet webs, Master Fru? Oh, you have many options. Uh, probably, uh, if you want the most the most information you can possibly get, then if you hunt out our Facebook group um, by touching the old Hellfire Club um, and join us there, um, as I mentioned, we're on BGG as well. Um, but if you want the most interactive experiences, then search for at Old Hellfire, all one word, um, on both Twitter and Instagram. And there is a load of stuff that you can can, can see and do and be involved in and shape. <laughs> <laughs> and we shall make sure that we put these all in the show notes so that we have notes to show. If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, then um, if you can, you meet us down at Old Billingsgate Road, round about seven o'clock. Um, <laughs> and if you ask for, if you ask for the purple monkey paw of old Papa, um, then no. Though if you go to the internet and just type in "We're Not Wizards," you'll find us. We're all over the place. We're on Instagram and we're on. We're on places like um, Facebook and we're on Twitter at We're Not Wizards and we're on kind of all these wonderful, fantastic website, We're Not Wizards blog, blogspot.com or We're Not Wizards.blogspot.com. You can find us by email, which is magic at We're Not Wizards.com. Yes, I am aware of the irony of the email address. <laughs> it's why I picked it because I thought I would be hilarious. You can find us on the various podcast catchers like your Stitchers and Spreakers and ACAST and Spotify's and. Um, cast boxes and all these wonderful and fantastic places. Um, if you've listened along tonight and you um, have enjoyed what you've listened to, then you can do two things for us. 
first thing, go and tell somebody else. Um, because that's always nice. And the, the second thing is to jump onto Apple Podcasts and consider giving us a rating or a review. If you are going to be giving us a rating or a review, don't give us a 10, because it makes me big-headed. But don't give us a 1, because otherwise I get sent down to the kitchens to do the dishes <laughs> where I shall cry. Um, give us something in the middle, like a 5, because it's average. We are just this little bit average. But the person who's not been average tonight is rather exemplary, rather magnificent, rather extraordinary, Mr. Jamie Frew. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming on, sir. I dotheth my hat at you and wish you a speedy, good journey. Um, There's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Jamie? No, 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 definitely not. Definitely, Absolutely no. not. Thank you. Thank you. We are um, going to tell tales. We're going to have laughs. We're going to have a drink. We're going to maybe exaggerate the facts that are, you know, that we spout out before us, but we are definitely not, not with us. No, 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 no. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So this is goodbye from Mr. Frew. Say goodbye, sir. Goodbye, sir. Uh, <laughs> Every single time. And it's a goodbye <laughs> from me. Remember, uh, stay safe, roll6s.com. And um, as I say, it's only 70 days. We shall make sure we put notes in the show notes so that you have notes to show so you have no excuse. When you've got your notes in front of you and you don't know what to say, you can just say what you want and just hope that you get away with it unless somebody comes in and says that you're talking balderdash. Man or woman, you need to prove yourself. Otherwise, you're going to lose all your money for your gin. But until the next time, Goodbye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.